0: Good afternoon. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. Even if you're not, declare it by faith. Especially those of you who are married. <laughs> All right. It's great to be in church today. Obviously, we have some special guests with us. And uh, it's great to see um, Noel Robinson with us here today. <laughs> Ka- Kai's dad. Yeah, and his lovely wife. God bless you both. And the whole family and all those who've come the baby dedication family is great to have you with us today amen. amen well before we do all of that we're going to look into the word and uh we're going to continue what we already have been teaching on for the last uh, well since the beginning of this month really so if you have your bibles turn with me to proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 If it's possible to take the treble off a bit, please, um, and maybe lower the monitors here, that would be helpful for me, thank you. Why don't we pray again? I know we've prayed already, Ayo prayed for me, but why don't we pray again and ask the Holy Spirit to help us with the Word of God today. So please, if you could stand, and let's just pray. If you could stand where you are, we're gonna pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us through His Word. If you could reduce the treble a little bit more. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your mercies and for your grace. Thank you for revelation. The entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to us. And Father, I pray that you will speak into every one of us today. Take these simple words and burn them in our hearts to bring transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. May take your seats. We've been looking at our authority as believers. Um, our authority, and this is part three. And specifically, we're focusing on the power of words. Proverbs 18:21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I want to quickly go over some of the things we've already said, and then build on it and continue where we left off last week. First of all, we've been talking about understanding kingdom authority and our authority. And kingdom authority really, by that I mean the exercising of the supernatural power of God that is resident within his kingdom. And uh, specifically, we are looking at our authority within the context of words. Our authority being exercised in God's kingdom within the context of words. Proverbs 18, 21, what we've already read says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it eat the fruit thereof. In other words, within our words, there is the potential for vitality and there is the potential for regress and degradation. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love the tongue and speaking eat it its fruit and also we said that God's kingdom is established through words primarily in fact the whole creation the scripture says is held together by God's powerful word. Hebrews 1, 3 talks about our Lord Jesus being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, the Father's person. And he, our Lord Jesus, upholds all things by the word of his power or holds everything together by his powerful word. So even the whole of creation is held together by words, the word of God. Scripture also says in John 1, one in the beginning was the Word, then the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not made anything that was made. In other words, God the Father and the Son of God, when they created, it was through the Son expressing Himself as the Word. So everything is held together by words. And beloved, your life itself, whether you realize it or not, is held together and governed by words as we began to look at. We talked about the fact that your words express the condition of your heart. Your words express the condition of your heart. Our Lord Jesus says it like this in Matthew 12 from verse 33 he says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the mouth, out of the abundance, sorry, of the heart, the mouth speaks. 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So words are the expression of the condition of our heart. Now at times, in our context, in our society, we tend to play down on the importance of words. And, you know, we, we, we know the playground, um, 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 so, uh, uh, you know, that rhyme. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's one of the biggest lies the devil ever told. <laughs> because sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will certainly hurt you. You and I, whether we realize it or not, our personalities are products of all the words we have heard and received. So words are very important. And uh, our Lord also tells us that we will have to give account for every word we have spoken on the last day. Verse 36 of Matthew 12 says, But I say to you, our Lord says, But I say to you that every idle word, men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. That word idol simply means useless words, words we didn't really mean, words that had no power to it. We will have to explain why we said those words. Now, beloved, if we have to explain ourselves concerning useless words, how serious is it concerning the words we actually meant? It's a very sober thought. And then our Lord also teaches us that our words either condemn us Or they justify us. 37, for by your words you'll be justified. That means you'll be acquitted, you'll be held as without any fault or guilt. You'll be rendered free to go and to do whatever you're supposed to do. Or by your words you'll be condemned. That is, you'll be held guilty and you'll be held accountable. Or you'll be held as an individual who should be punished because of the things you have said. That's how serious words are. And then we talked about the reality since it is so, we need to learn to tame our tongue. James chapter 1 verse Sorry, James chapter 3 verse 1, James the apostle, that's the Lord's younger brother, says, "My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And then he goes on to narrate about words and the role of the tongue and how serious it is. Now, that verse is really saying this, every time we instruct others and we tell others what they should and should not do, like I'm doing right now, we are held even more Um, accountable. We become even more accountable and the judgment or the yardstick that is going to be used concerning us will become more severe. So every time we pass judgment or we are instructing others, like I'm doing now, every time we're we're doing that, we are going to be held into a spiritual judgment. But it goes more than that. When we are telling our children what they ought or what they ought not to do, hopefully we have done better. I remember the story of the individual who, after his child gave him the report, his school report, Prophet Ano told us this story. After his child gave him his school report, he lambasted the child about how dumb the child was and how stupid the child was. And then after the dad had finished, the child said, Daddy, look at the name underneath, and it was his own report that he had received as a child. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. So, the point is, Our words, those of us, we need to tame our tongue because we are going to be held very accountable concerning the things we have said. Now, we also talked on the reality, and this is where we are now. Um, No, actually, no, I'm still recapping. Your words affect the direction of your life. We talked about that. Your words affect the direction of your life. Again, most people don't, don't put two and two together. Um, Sometimes you can have someone who's very smart, has a lot of things going for them, but their life somehow doesn't work out the way they think it should. And I tell you, look at the words you have spoken over yourself. The words you have spoken over yourself has determined where you are right now. Say to your neighbor, you can change your destiny. For some, that statement sounds like blasphemy because it sounds as if I'm saying you are God. No, God has put certain um, laws and principles in place for us to observe. He has given us the power of choice. He says, choose life. He says, choose life that you and yours will live. So we can decide the direction of our lives. And James chapter 3 verse 6 teaches us this truth. He says in verse 6, I read it in the NIV. it says, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. New Living Translation reads it like this, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a world of wickedness corrupting your entire body it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. In other words, whoever and whatever is controlling your tongue is controlling the direction of your life. So if hell is controlling your tongue and governing how you speak, then your whole life comes under the fire or the judgments of hell. But the opposite is also true. If heaven or the word of God is controlling your tongue, then you can enjoy and experience the blessings of the word of God. Can you say amen? So now we are where we left off last week. Who and what you trust affects how you speak. Who and what you trust affects how you speak. Of course, that's obvious because whoever and whatever we trust will affect our heart, will control our heart. And you know, the scripture tells us, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Out of your heart comes the forces that determine the outcomes of your life, not your environment. Environment may have an input, Not your possessions. You can have a person born into wealth who ends up poor. It happens a lot. And you can have people who are born into poverty and end up wealthy. That also happens a lot. Hallelujah. And then you can have those who are born in neither and remain the same. That is also a lot like, that happens a lot. So, who and what you trust affects how you speak. Now, we're going to look briefly at our Lord's example of this. Mark 11 from verses 22 and, 23, 22 and 23. He says, now the context of this was where our Lord the previous day had cursed the fig tree. He had cursed the fig tree. He went to the fig tree to take fruit of it and the Bible says the fig tree answered him. And so when <laughs> When the fig tree answered him, now we didn't know what the fig tree said, he spoke to the fig tree and said, let no one eat from you from this day. And the Bible says the disciples heard it. The following day, you can read the whole narrative in Mark 11. The following day, as they were passing the fig tree, Peter and the disciples saw that it had dried down to its roots. It had withered and died. And so they said to the Lord, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and died. Now notice what they said, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and died. But all the Lord said was, nobody eat of you from today. Why did they say the fig tree that you cursed? Because death and life is in the power of the tongue. There are certain things that you can say, and it is a curse. Because by virtue of its effect, it takes life out. It reduces life. It causes Um, regression and then there are certain things that when you say it is a blessing because it produces life that's why if you are dealing with cancer you don't bless cancer you curse it you command it to die so that the life of cancer will leave it but at the same time you don't say to your marriage die Or to your wife, die. I I remember, I'll never forget this. I remember two couples were arguing, fighting with each other in my hearing. And as they were arguing with each other, the husband said to the wife, You, 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 you are going to die. And the wife said, Me? I'm not going to die. Before I die, you would die. Do you know what happened? Within a year and a half, two years, the guy died. Died a horrible death. Now, when the person died, nobody connected it, but I connected the dot. Because I was there when it was said. Anyway, let's move on. The point I'm making is, in that nice marriage counseling input there, the the, the point I am making is, you can curse. Somebody you love without realizing you've cursed them. By the words you speak. Uh, actually, you can curse yourself. You can curse. Is that my little girl there? Ah, is he? That's my, 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 my foster daughter. Hello, sweetheart. Anyway, let's carry on. You can, you can, you can, you can curse. You can curse yourself. And not realize it and then you are having outcomes that you don't like and blame God. This is what a lot of Christians like to do. Blame God for the bad things and take credit for the good things that happen to them. So it's within that context, this is what our Lord said. Now remember I'm saying who and what you trust affects how you speak. So Jesus answers, so the disciples said, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed, some am with the time, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and died. And in response, our Lord says, in verse 22, so Jesus answers and said to them, have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not die in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, He will have whatever he says. This; these are the words of Jesus. Now, in my early days, when I first read this, I filtered it. I filtered it like this: He couldn't possibly mean a literal mountain. So, Jesus is not expecting us to speak to literal mountains. But do you think that if Jesus said to a mountain, move and go there, it wouldn't happen? Of course it would, right? I believe that the Lord meant a literal mountain to emphasize the point of how powerful our words are. But it was in response to their amazement that the fig tree had died, or had withered and died the following day. But actually the fig tree withered and died immediately when the Lord said, nobody eat fruit from me from this day. Now, the thing about words is, when they are spoken, you may not see its impact immediately. But it has an impact. Because words are like seeds. And your heart is like fertile ground. And the words that are being spoken, once they enter into your heart, they germinate and begin to produce over time. That's why you have to be very careful what you say. Um, So sometimes people will see bad things in the spirit Especially prophetic individuals They will see negative things And rather than dealing with it They would then declare it And so when it happens They feel validated Because they saw a bad thing And they told us it was going to happen And it happened And so they are real prophets No, Often because you are not very smart If I'm the devil, I will use you all the time. If I want bad things to happen, I'll just show it to you because you're going to release it. The enemy cannot interfere in your life without your permission. I'm telling you, even those things which the Father allows, there are certain things that we can literally say, actually, we don't want it. We don't want it. In my personal life, I'm not going to go into details, there's been a few times when I have felt like God was saying such and such is going to happen within the context of he wants his will. And I said, What well, dad, if you, I said, actually, I don't want it. I said, I don't want it. Now I'm sure you are wondering what it is, but this is none of your business. The point is, I said, no, I said to the Lord, you know what? Here am I grieving and crying and sad about this thing that you have showed me is going to happen. And I said, well, no, that wasn't the deal here. That wasn't the deal. Our deal was this. So no, I don't want it to happen. So no, I don't want it to happen. And that was it. The thing stopped. It didn't happen again. Hallelujah. Anyway, I, I can't go into it. It's too personal. But let me, let's look at this scripture a bit more. So, faith in God affects how we speak. And what we say produces outcomes outcomes for our lives because of our faith in him. So when you learn to trust God. So our Lord says here, in response to their amazement about the victory, he says, have faith in God. Put your confidence in God. And... Believe the way God believes. Now some people think God doesn't have faith. God speaks. You see faith is not hoping something is going to happen. Faith is knowing an outcome and therefore acting in accordance with the outcome. Even though it is not there. I'm talking biblical faith. So when God speaks, what he speaks, it's out of the conviction that of what he knows. So if God was to say with, to you... That you have two heads, because he said it, another head will grow immediately. Because he said it. If he said you had ten fingers, sorry, ten fingers, that's correct, isn't that? Right, no. So if he says you had twelve fingers, then immediately you will have um, twelve fingers. Because everything he says happens the way he says it. So what faith is, he says in, in Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, is the evidence of what is not seen. That is the basis, the evidence that the thing that hasn't happened is definitely going to happen because of faith. Because faith is a persuasion and knowing of a reality as it is in our hearts and in our minds. And in the context of the word of God is embracing his reality. So the point is this, when I have faith in God, whatever I am saying will seek to be consistent with what he says. If I have faith in God, then I am not moved by what I see. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not moved by what I feel. Because at times I will feel a certain way because of what is going on around me, but my faith in God will declare what God has to say regardless of what I feel and what I'm going through. That's how it works. And what happens is your feelings then catches up with your faith. So it is important to learn to trust in God. But the reality is that many Christians don't really trust in God the way the scriptures encourages us. Believers tend to choose when they trust in God. Our trust in God may appear illogical and unscientific but it can have tremendous positive and fruitful outcomes for those who learn to live their lives that way. At times when you're trusting God, you will look ridiculous. You will look ridiculous. This vision that you've been carrying for how long. Look at how long you've been carrying this vision. Lord says to Abraham, listen, You are no longer called father. You are called father of many nations. And he walks around for 25 years being called father of many nations when he hasn't even really, okay, for 25 years he only had Ishmael, um, but he hasn't really had the promise that God told him. He walks around. When they say, what's your name? um, Initially, say, what's your name? He says, Abraham. Abraham, how many children do you have? Initially, none. What's your wife's name? Sarah. You know, princess of nations. Mother of nations. How many has your wife had? She's actually clinically barren. It's a joke. So when Isaac was born, they, they gave him the name Isaac as a pun. And that was a joke. What a joke. Wow. A 90-year-old uh, woman, and uh, they're laughing. His, his name is Laughter. In response to their faith. In other words, They learned to see and to declare things regardless of their circumstance. That's how faith works. And that's why whoever and whatever you trust affects how you speak. So they spoke consistent with what they were told by God regardless of how they felt and of what their circumstances spoke. You have to stop feeling sorry for yourself. You have to stop feeling. Listen, it's one of the biggest enemies for you exercising kingdom authority. Right. It's when you feel sorry for yourself. It's when you feel like, why is this thing happening? When you start to mollygrab. Is that a word? It's a, it's a word I've heard an American say. I think it means um, um, depressed and moaning and groaning. Moaning and mollygrabbing and Moaning. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Say to your neighbor, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Tell them. Yeah, you have to. It's such a terrible thing. Many years ago, I used to enjoy a certain party, pity parties. I loved them. They were really good parties. I would have these parties by myself, by myself, enjoy the party, moan and make songs, dirges. I'll copy other people's songs unlike like no one who writes his own. I'll copy and I'll sing nobody knows the trouble. I'll be singing it in my room by myself with tears streaming. <laughs> you know what happened? I just got more depressed and then one day the spirit spoke from this day no more. Oh! I wasn't impressed with that word. Because I like to retreat from time to time. So one day I decided to ignore him. So I tried to do my pity party thing. And I looked for the lonely demon. And it wasn't there. It's not there. I don't feel that lonely thing anymore. You know I was tempted to literally call it back. And that's what many of us do. You look for your lonely demon company friend. And when he's not there, you insist he returns in Jesus' name. And so your circumstances will not change. Cannot change. Why? Because your words are governing your context. Stop blaming other people. Look, you can blame everybody. And they might even say, yeah, it really is my fault. But your circumstances will still not change. So what's the point of that? Everybody will agree with you. Oh, you've had it really bad. Oh, how terrible. Oh, yo. Listen, my friend said to me, Joe, I reckon you're going to be a hermit. You know, you've heard me say this story many times. They looked at me and they decided I wasn't marriage material. They decided it for me. And I agreed for a while and I thought, nah, I don't agree with that anymore. I said to God, if you want me to be married, then this has to change. I don't mean how I look. This is cool. This is how I look, this is cool. I don't mean that. I mean you can't resist. This is cool. I meant, I meant, I didn't mean that. I meant the fact that I I want to be enjoying marital rights. Marital rights meant I should be married. So I said, unless you take the desire to enjoy marital rights. Unless you take it away, you have to give me a wife. Simples. Yeah. Take it away or give me a wife. And that's what I said. And then I began to declare. Declare and declare. And one day I said, you know what? Give me my wife. I said, I said, give me my wife. I didn't say, oh, Father, if, you, if it's thy will. What, what if it's thy will? There's no such thing when it comes to marriage. If I want to get married, there's not If it's Thy will, it is Thy will. So I said, "Give me my wife." Within a week, my wife came and proposed that we should start uh, the, uh, the journey together. <laughs> ah! What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And people wondered if she was blind. No, it's the power of the word. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Your words are very powerful. It's are very powerful you have to you have to you know somebody said it's not logical of course kingdom dynamics are not logical and they are not scientific they are not supposed to be logical they are not supposed to be scientific if you want the realm of logic and if you want the realm of science go and study medicine or physics or chemistry or biology or business science these are logical things and you should, by the way. But when it comes to operating kingdom authority, it goes beyond logic. You must learn to believe what God says. Learn the dynamics of the kingdom. Learn the dynamics of the kingdom. Learn the dynamics of the kingdom. Yeah. You have to. Like, like for instance, when we wanted children, I should tell her, I just said to her, it's time. It's time to have children. Now, it's time. But you see, before it was time, we still use protection. I'm not stupid. <laughs> but then I said, it's time. And I, even, I can remember when the first one was conceived. I literally remember. Yeah. I'm just telling you. You can laugh if you're a liar. I'm just telling you. There are certain things that are not logical. Because they are in the realm of faith. The realm of faith. And your words, your words are so important. Husband and wife, what you say about each other behind your back is very important. Oh, I love you, honey. I love you, honey. Oh, God, why did you give this one to me? You, you, say to, you say to your partner in your face, oh yeah, I'm really glad we got married. <laughs> I'm really glad. But behind her back or his back, you are hoping they will die. <laughs> you think that hasn't happened in Christian marriages. I'm telling you, I've been pastoring for over 25 years. It does. <clears throat> if you want any context to change, start with yourself. Start with yourself. I said start with yourself, with what you say about that context. How you speak, how you think, reprogram your heart to agree with what God's word says. That's how you begin to usher God's kingdom into your context. Now, you must speak as a king, not as a beggar. Within the kingdom of God, our Lord Jesus has made us all kings and priests unto our God. But what I have discovered is that many believers, when they are talking to God about their kingdom privileges, they talk like beggars. They talk like they have to beg God for them to enjoy the privileges of his kingdom. You know, it's such an insult to God. It's such an insult to God. Our Lord, first of all, has made us kings and priests unto our God. Revelation 1 verse 6. So, as kings and priests, he expects us to speak and to act like kings and priests. And as kings, we must learn to speak within the confines of his kingdom parameters. If we want to get his kingdom outcomes. If you want the outcomes of the supernatural in every aspect of your life, then you have to learn to speak within the confines of the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? It's very important. It's very important. Now, you cannot speak like a beggar and expect a kingly outcome. So how do beggars speak? They beg, isn't it? Is that politically correct these days to call people who are begging beggars? you know, these days. What are they called now? Um, uh, is that, is that um, economic, economic desires. I don't know. What is the term? Ecclesiastes 8, 4 and 5. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful. And a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Listen, within your sphere of influence, you are a king. And you are irresistible when you exercise your authority. Nobody can challenge you within your sphere of influence when you exercise your authority. Nobody can ask you, what are you doing? You are a king. So you have the right to decree. Because when you decree, you establish legalities. You can declare, which is just pronounced what's already there, or you can decree by enacting legal principles into a context. In other words, you have said these are the boundaries and this is how I expect you to act. And your words are what determines the boundaries within your sphere of influence. That's why a child who is born again, if they're being attacked, a little seven-year-old can say to the devil, I rebuke you and the demons have to leave. Because that is that child's jurisdiction. They're exercising the authority. One day, one of my children said to me, they were having, they said to Aisha, they were having a uh, um, bad dream. So Aisha said, next time, tell them in the name of Jesus and then they will leave you. So he had a dream and nothing came in the dream. And my, my child said to the, the thing in the name of Jesus, mention the name of Jesus. And he said, "It's a, if what, what happened was, uh, the thing was like a jack-in-the-box. It, was, it started to run, and then it was ping, and it went way out into space. See, that's how he's a child, so that's the way he was about five or so. So that's the way the Holy Spirit allowed him to see the thing. Beloved, you should not allow yourself to be intimidated anymore. Listen, the other day, I was dri- I've been driving my car for a while, and uh, when I get into my car and I'll be driving on the motorway, I get this sense, your tires are going to burst. So I'll say, Father, remember your servant. I speak um, protection over my tires. You know, I, I, I am one of these people who likes doing other things than looking at cars and tires. Um, you know, I don't really like such things. You know, we all like have things we like. I don't like having to go to the garage, you know, those things. So I was driving, so it didn't even occur to me to go take it to the garage. So many months, I'm driving my car, and I'll be driving, going within the speed limit, I believe in that. <laughs> and I will get that sensation, and I'll say, "I am remember your servant, I speak, I speak your protection over my tires. Anyway, this week gone, I was taking my son somewhere, and then I, I put petrol in the car. And then I noticed one of the tires was completely flat. Now, obviously, it's actually been flat for a while because there was a sound that was coming from that part, but so it's one of these sound things, you know? So I put air in the tire, and it, when I took the thing out, it went flat again. I thought, oh, no. So now we have to call the AA and all that stuff. So the AAA comes. Well, I called the boss first. I explained the situation, and she gave me wisdom. So I called the AA. So the AA came, the AA came, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you got it, you're, you're in the spirit, yeah. So the AA come and then his, the guy, I tell him what happened, he, he, I thought they were gonna tell me to do, change the spare tire, I don't know who they're talking to. And I said, we, I, I, don't know how to, don't even, I don't know how to do that. So they changed the spare tire, I don't wanna even know how to do it either. So because then I'll have to do it. So they change the spare tire, and he said, Let me check your tires. Every one of the tires condemned. They were all wobbly. So, this thing I was picking up in the spirit was very accurate. You understand? But I was preventing an outcome in innocence, of course. Now, if I'd known it was busted and then I still drove, that's different. You can't enforce kingdom authority there, you're going to get an accident. But I didn't know, glory to God. So I was enforcing. I had been driving fast and my wheels were a bit wobbly, wobbly. My point is, normally in the past, if I'd seen something like I've said in the days of ignorance, you know, I sense I'm going to have a car accident. I'm picking up in the spirit. I'm going to have a car accident. My tires are going to burst. You know, that's the foolishness people do. And then when it happens and I just about escape, hopefully in Jesus' name, I say, well, I saw it was going to happen. What good is that? Are you listening to me? You must exercise your authority. Say to your neighbor, exercise your authority. There are many statements that are religiously accepted and religiously acceptable, but they are unacceptable for the child of God. Statements like, I'm a sinner saved by grace. They sound religiously correct, But actually, I was a sinner. I'm not a sinner anymore. Unless I'm referring to what I was in the past, if I say I am a sinner saved by grace and I'm saying it within the sense of I am still a sinner, it is scripturally wrong. Are you listening? Yeah. So in the next five minutes, as I bring my teaching to a close, I just want to say one or two more things and then I bring my teaching to a close. You have to learn to speak the things that God's word says about you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that we are the righteousness of God because of our faith in Christ Jesus. And that was because we trust in Jesus, we are the righteousness of God. Quickly, I just want to jump and say one or two more things and then we'll close. As a child of God, you must exercise your authority over your sphere because every time you speak within your remit, your sphere of authority, you are allowing things to happen or you are stopping things to happen. Paul said this in uh, 2 Corinthians 10:13. He says this, We, however will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. A sphere which especially includes you. Now, he's saying to the Corinthians, listen, you are within our sphere of authority. And that word in the Greek is metron, which really speaks of uh, um, sphere of influence, Um, It speaks of your limits, your boundaries that you can operate within. And for us as children of God, our sphere of influence includes our life and everything that affects our life. Our life and everything that affects our life is our sphere of influence. Secondly, it includes our immediate family and those members that are dependent on us, our dependents. Those who are looking and relying on us. So, my sphere of influence will touch those, my wife and my children. Th- that will be part of my sphere of influence. And also, it includes our responsibilities. Any area of responsibility that has been given to our charge, that we have accepted, comes under our sphere of influence. It's part of our metron. Whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at church, whether it's at home, whether it's with a friend who says, look after this thing for me. When I accept it, it comes under my sphere of influence. And then our sphere of influence also includes arenas where our abilities impact. So where you may do or say things and others will hear it and take it on board because they look up to you, then that is part of your metron as well. And finally, it's anyone who places themselves under our authority for whatever reason, that also becomes part of our sphere of influence. So the point is is this. Within your life, you have a sphere of influence. And the words that you speak affects those sphere of influence. If you speak into that context, you will affect it. If you speak life into it, you will affect it. If you speak death into it, you will affect it because it's under your sphere of influence. And your words because of its intrinsic nature, impacts tremendously your sphere of influence. I I conclude with this. If you want your words to be effective and powerful, you must yield yourself to God. And I will continue that next week. Amen. We're going to pray. I want us to bow our heads. We're going to pray. Amen. Give glory to God. Hallelujah. I want you to your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray very briefly, very quickly. We said a lot about words. We're talking about our authority as believers. But as an individual, if you are here, you can't really enter into that authority as a child of God until you surrender your heart to Jesus. So if you're here and you're saying you want to surrender your heart to Jesus, why don't you raise your hand where you are? I want to pray with you before we change the order of service. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please, if you're here, and you're saying you want to surrender your life to Jesus, just raise your hands where you are so that I can pray with you. Or if you're here, God bless you. Or if you're here and you want to rededicate yourself to God, maybe you used to serve him, but for whatever reason you've gone away and you're saying you want to come back to him, raise your hand where you are. I want to pray with you quickly. Thank you. God bless you. Well, I do not see anybody else. I'm just going to pray. Oh, thank you. I see one person. God bless you. Keep your hand raised if there's anybody else. I'm going to pray with you quickly. I'm not going to ask you to stand or anything like that. Just raise your hands. All right, so I'm going to pray with you. Those of you that have raised your hands, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to pray this prayer where you are. And then afterwards, come and see someone at the front and we'll help you further. So let's just pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, Church, if you can join me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Lord Jesus Christ, Come into my life. Save my soul. Today, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my words to you. Fill me with your spirit. And I will follow you forever. Heavenly Father, where I have gone wrong, I ask you to forgive me. I turn back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you very much, Lindsay.